0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't
1: fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: La 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 la. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to the program. It is The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live... Across the state of Alaska on this is your favorite radio station and/or translator and around the world. Uh, FM translator and around the world And MichaelDukeshow.com on the interwebs. Hello and good morning. Oh well, welcome. A little bit more rain. Just I just read the weather forecast. And there's another front forming right now, so we're expecting more rain. Um But, you know, again, at least just look on the bright side, my friends. It's not snowing, all right? Well, maybe it is in wherever you are in the state of Alaska. But where I'm at, it's not snowing yet. So it's a positive. It's a positive right now. Uh, I know that in Fairbanks any day now, they're probably going to say they're going to see that termination dust and be like, yeah, stop talking about it. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, but uh, welcome to the program, it is Thursday, and today um, we are ready to dive into it and uh, get into this continuing uh, continuing discussion of candidates that we are working on right now. Um, we are looking at, uh, the candidates we're looking at today include Kathy Hensley, who is running um, in the uh, in the Anchorage area uh, for state uh, for state house, uh, and uh, that is going to be uh, excuse me for state senate in uh, um, district. I'm looking at the wrong one. I'm looking at the wrong one. Um, I'll find it here in just a second. Too many different things here. Jumping in on this. Um, <clears throat> there's another race. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yep, right there. Uh, District S- District uh, 13, Kathy Hensley in District 13. It was the House District. That was right to begin with. Whew, man, so many candidates, so many different so many different positions. House District 13, Kathy Hensley will be joining us uh, to talk about her candidacy against Andy Josephson, who is uh, the registered Democrat in that race. She's a re- registered Republican. There's also an independent candidate and um it should be a it should be a fun discussion uh there uh as well uh to see what's going on then we're going to move further down south <clears throat> this time into the homer area uh for house district 6 where we will have louis flora on the uh disc- on the program uh to discuss his candidacy he is registered as a nonpartisan, although um, I know that uh, some of those areas have, uh have said that that nonpartisan tag is really. It, i we're, we're going to ask some questions about caucusing with Democrats and some other things. So there's going to be a lot of discussion this morning. Uh, but whether we agree with it or not, it will be an interesting discussion. That's the whole point. I mean, we started off this week with Les Guerra <laughs> and Andrew Gray, who are not people who would can who would, uh, you know, probably um you would consider to be fans or listeners to this show, but it was an interesting discussion. So I'm, I'm glad we had it. And, uh, I love, uh, I love talking about these things. So we're looking forward to that. Now coming up in the future, uh, what, what am I got here? Tomorrow's firearms Friday, of course. Thank you. Thank you for firearms Friday. I need a little bit of discussion and a little bit of, uh, little bit of relaxation. That's like my weekly therapy. It's like you just picture me with my feet up on the couch, you know, and my head back going, Doc, Doc, I know I got to deal with some of this, but this is what's going on. Um, But Firearms Friday is kind of that uh, is kind of that whole thing for me. And so I'm uh, I'm I'm excited about it. But uh, coming up on uh, next week, I know we've uh, got tentatively got scheduled Mike Insilaco on Monday. And then, <clears throat> man, my internet is slow this morning. I don't know what's going on, but I'm having a heck of a time getting uh, some of these things to load. Um, Mike Insalaco is coming up. Uh, Ginger Bryant is going to be here. She's also running for the same seat that Louis uh, Flora is down in Homer. And um, oh, a hand, handful of others. Oh, look, it finally rendered. Uh, Rosalind Casey, Stephen Wright, Cliff Rowe. Uh, Jessica Wright, Sharon Jackson on Monday. Whew, man it's a it's a it's a big week and then the following week we've got even more coming up as well. So <clears throat> it's gonna be a busy, busy time uh, over the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, today is the 22nd and that officially puts us uh, one uh, two, uh, three, four, five, yeah, we're five weeks away. five weeks away from election week. So, uh, and I know some places, like for example in Fairbanks, right now, they're actually running their municipal elections at the, you know, in in October. So we're only a couple weeks away from uh, municipal elections in some of the various communities as well. So I, I just pay attention to what's going on, and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. Okay. <clears throat> It's, uh, yeah, the internet this morning uh, just all of a sudden just quit for half a second there. So welcome back to the program. If you just got back to it, we're going to dive into it. All right, we've got some uh, headlines. What else are we going to do? Here's the interesting, uh, there are some of the interesting headlines for this morning. First and foremost, I had to chuckle uh, because the, the headline, the headline read, as a $3,284 $3, permanent fund dividend hits the bank accounts across Alaska, economists predict widespread impacts. And I'm just like, that's like looking outside and saying water is wet. Yes, <clears throat> the fact that you're about to, you know, that you just deposited $3,200, $3,300 into every person's bank account, that's going to have some economic impacts. Yes, you are. You are a hundred percent correct. Uh, the story goes on to talk about um, you know, the earnings of the permanent fund and how this check is kind of a windfall. And uh, the size of the money uh, should free up uh, spending on recreational items more so than in recent years and maybe dining and traveling out. Although I will say right now, I have not seen a whole lot of people who are like, I'm going to Hawaii on this money. I've seen a lot of people say, like, I've already spent my dividend. Look at these new tires on my car. Look at the new thing and the the payoff that I did. and And I pay down my debt from the pandemic. And, I mean, I've seen a whole lot of that. I have not seen people walking around with a lot of big screen TVs or trips to Hawaii's or, you know, I don't know. What what does everybody say that we, you know, the the Kathy Giesels of the Jennifer Johnsons of the world is that, you know, we must have done hookers and blow with it. And that was all we did. We, We just blew the money on stuff that was, I mean, no, I have a feeling that this is all. A lot of this is going to go back to fixing a lot of what's been wrong over the last three years, especially since we've seen that housing prices and rents and things like that have jumped tremendously i mean down in the anchorage area especially they've jumped up 14% in just the last year alone um you know and and across the state mortgages and rents and things like that are just i mean they're 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 running rampant uh, i have a friend who's Trying to move, um, they've been, they're, they're the house that they were, that they've been living in for 10 years, they've been leasing it or renting it for 10 years, and the owner finally decided to sell it, and so now they're having to move, and they've been trying to find a, they've been trying to find a place in their area there in Eagle River for, like, two months, and, you know, except that you have to spend $30,000 a year just to rent the place. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane what they're asking for in some of these areas. So yeah, so I have a feeling that some of this money is definitely going to be uh, definitely going to be used for heating oil and fuel, and not to mention again the people in the bush, you know, the people in the rural communities. So uh, I just, I just, again, I it was more chuckling at the headline. Economists predict widespread impacts. Well, in that case, I'm an economist because I've been talking about that for a long time. What is the impact as that goes on? Absolutely crazy. Um, I've got a little bit of good news as well. How much time do I have here? Oh, I don't have much time before we get into it with this Kathy Hensley. Um, I guess we'll uh, – mm, all right, I'll, I'll cover this story just because it's uh, – uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's disturbing. Uh, Alaska's former acting attorney general was indicted on Monday by a grand jury, according to AD, uh, the ADN, on three felony charges of sexual abuse of a minor. Now, Ed Sniff in 58, was first charged in May, uh, and this was not a recent uh, incident. This was back in 1991. So uh, I'm doing the math on that. That's, what, 30 years ago? 20, no, 30 years ago, because it'd be 2001. So 30 years ago, Thir- 30 years ago, uh, Sniffin, who, uh, who replaced former Attorney General Kevin Clarkson, who resigned because he sent a bunch of inappropriate text messages to a female employee, he stepped into the role. And that is when uh, this uh, gal named White came forward with the allegations that uh, he was being appointed to the state top prosecutor job. apparently. She had a relationship with Sniffin' back when uh, she was at the on the West High School Mock Trial Team trip to New Orleans. She was seventeen; he was twenty-seven, and they continued their relationship. Uh, apparently, this was originally reported to the police, but she refused to cooperate at the time, and so nothing ever happened to it. But now she came forward and. Uh, and and brought it back again. Uh, she wrote in a motion the allegations were reported to the police in nineteen ninety-four, but the case was closed because White did not cooperate. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know what it is with the Department of Law, but apparently they've got some they've got some issues over there that maybe somebody needs to come in there and lay hands on some people pray in Jesus' name that you guys get your stuff together. Cause that place apparently is a hotbed of uh, Of of bad juju, that's all I'm saying, bad juju right now. Um, And the final issue, uh, which one do I want to talk about? I don't have time to really talk about either one of them. Um, There is a story, and my dad asked me yesterday about a story. My dad was in the chat room and asked about the story about Alaska Airlines, which I'm going to have to get to later on in the show. I apparently I was going to use the last I was going to use the last segment to take phone calls cuz I always like to get reactions from people um from the various guests and candidates that we have I always like to give that last segment for a chance for reactions but we might just have to use it for some stories that we've been holding on to but there's a couple stories one about the stories I don't know if you saw the um um if you saw the uh uh congressional committee uh Mary Peltola introduced the mayor of Newixit to uh The congressional committee and she went on for a bunch of times about the gas leak up there and everything else. And there was some contention in that committee. And all I could say is "Is this is this a is this a is this a snapshot of things to come in uh, in Washington, D.C. with Mary Peltola at the the wheel. Also, the Juno School District has got a big fervor going on right now about kids changing uh, swim team members changing in the same swimming or in the same locker room. And then, again, that story about Alaska Airlines. Feeling a little bit of the bite from their wokeness. So I guess those are the three stories that we will pick up <clears throat> later on in the program. How about that? We'll we'll deal with it then. I just don't have time to go into the details on any of them. So much to talk about in so little time. All right, let's uh, just move ahead. We got uh, Kathy Hensley. She's going to be joining us here in just a minute. And we will see what she has to say, to uh, Say, Kathy Hensley. Of course, running for uh, House District 13 down in Anchorage. We'll be back in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can come out and join us on Facebook as well for the simulcast. That's where we've got our chat room where everybody can come in and comment and talk about all the things that are being discussed as they are being discussed. Back with more, right after this.
0: What is that?
3: Common sense. Regularly
0: heard on American radio. Like Mike, Michael Duke Show.
2: Oh, hello, hello, man, I don't know what happened there, but my internet went, <laughs> I have the fastest internet money can buy. I've got, I have to laugh because my internet here in my home studio is faster than what we have at the radio station. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's bad. It's like, yeah, but this morning it went, <laughs> man. Uh, so anyway, hi, how are you? Good morning uh, Apparently I never lost connection with the other radio stations uh, via the internet Apparently just just my stream went down, so that's okay So at least, you know, not that you guys are not a priority But let's face it, dead air on the radio, a lot worse than a frozen screen on YouTube That's, that's, that's not something, every broadcaster's nightmare is dead air that's just like It's anathema to who we are Alright, Um, I see that in the green room Kathy Hensley has joined us And uh, we're going to get to her in just a hot second Test her audio Make sure everything sounds good And, uh, and looks good And does all that uh, I'm just looking through here to see if there was anything else That I wanted to comment on Before we jump into the test I don't see anything So let's go over there right now And see if we can uh, See if we can get everything uh, squared away with Kathy Hensley, and see what she has to say. Good morning, there. How are you this morning? Good morning, Michael. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, you sound good. Look at that. Is it great. usually I'm so blown away because people got great microphones that uh, it sounds that you sound great. So without having to blow my my ears bleed kind of thing. So good deal. Nice. <laughs> uh You all ready to uh, to uh, face the music here and talk about all the different things and see what you guys uh, see what your positions are and all that.
1: I am. I, am I going to be on video? You're
2: going to be on video and audio. That's how we work today. This is the 21st century. I mean, this okay.
1: Is... I just, yeah, I would have done things a little differently, but I just didn't realize. That's okay.
2: No, that's fine. You're, you're, you look great. You sound great. What more? Okay. Could you, what more could you ask for, right? Yeah, you know? let's
1: go for it. We're yeah. good. Yeah.
2: So uh, I mean, I figured that. I told my wife last night. I said because just recently, in the last couple months, I've got this new software that allows me to do both video and audio and everything else yeah. and I said I said if the one silver lining of the pandemic is everybody now is all used to Zoom so they all just at any point can log on and and do it so so true yeah no I think it's 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 better I mean it's good to be able to see people and see their expressions and it just it makes for a better experience in the long run now yeah you- People listen on the, people yeah, people mm-hmm. on the radio. Yeah, people on the radio—they don't care necessarily. But since we are broadcasting on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch all at the same time, why not do it? You know. So yeah. All right, Kathy. Well, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to go back into the um, um, go back into the uh, the chat room here to see what they have to say. I'm going to put you back in the green room here for just a minute and a half or so, and that way you can. Uh, Get your cup of coffee. Get yourself ready. Do whatever you need to do, and then we will be right back to you, folks. The uh, uh, I'm just saying, if I'm being honest, says Kenneth, I'm all I'm way less interested in these candidate interviews than the discussions on Alaska issues. Well, I mean, I think if if we if we don't talk to the people who are contributing to these issues, then I mean, I agree. I enjoy talking about the issues. You know, together, I enjoy all that. But, uh, you know, if we don't talk to the people who are going to be in charge of these issues, then we could talk about the issues till we're blue in the face. Nothing is going to change. We have to find out. We have to understand where these people are coming from. I mean, you know. Uh, Debbie says, what about the encouraging stories? I've got a story that I will get to as well. Uh, I know the good news, right? Because she's asking about the good news. Uh, I'm trying to do that. Uh, And then Caterpillar uh, D110LL said, termination dust spotted on the way into Fort Knox this morning. Oh, man. Little bit of the white stuff up there outside of Fox. Uh, Okay. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, Good morning. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Michael Chambers says Kathy Hensley is top shelf Her opponent Andy Josephson is a full-blown liar Okay, well, we'll see I don't know I put out the request to everybody Including Andy Josephson And I didn't hear back from him But I did hear back from Kathy So that's how that goes Oh, I got to turn that down again, don't I? All right, we're going to get back into it Here we go The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Liberty-based Free-thinking radio Like it, share, like it, share, like it, share Here we go Let's do it All right, welcome back to the uh, program. The Michael Duke show continues. We are now uh, onto our candidate and uh, uh, our candidate interviews, which we are just commenting. Somebody in the chat room just said I'm, I don't not interested in the candidate interviews as well as much as I am talking about the Alaskan issues. Well, we've got to talk about the Alaskan issues, but we've got to talk to the people who are going to have the largest effect on these issues, and many times that's your political leaders. That's what that's what we have to do. I know Sometimes it's the broccoli before the dessert, but that's what happens. We got to talk with these folks. Joining me this morning to discuss this is candidate for State House in District uh, 13. It is Kathy Hensley, who is the Republican in the race uh, running up here in this new kind of redistricted mishmash uh, against Andy Josephson. And uh, she joins us this morning to talk about it. Good morning, Kathy. How are you?
1: Good morning, Michael. I'm doing really well. How are you doing?
2: You know, again, any day above ground, that's a that's a winner. <laughs> that's a winner right there. And as long as there's no white stuff, I guess there's white stuff up by Fort Knox and Fairbanks, but there's no white stuff down here. So I feel like it's a win for me. You know, so yeah, um, we know it's coming. Yeah, it. They know it's coming. <laughs> they know it's good. Um, all right, Kathy. Uh, for folks who don't know who you are, now you you've. Uh, You know, you've kind of exploded on the scene here in the last couple, 18 months, two years, you know, with all the different races and the whole Bronson thing and the assembly and everything in Anchorage. And you were part of that, uh, you know, conservative cadre of candidates for the assembly and everything. So, you know, you've really kind of, uh, uh, you know, come out on the scene, so to speak, as one um, one of the strong conservative voices in the Anchorage area. But for folks who don't know who you are and listeners in, you know, from Homer to Fairbanks, You know, who are you? Where are you? Where do you come from? Give us a little bit of background here.
1: Yes. Well, uh, I'm a lifelong Alaskan. And uh, so I lived the Alaska experience, right? My mom and dad were uh, subsistence hunters and fishers. And I took uh, moose tongue sandwiches to school when I went to Rabbit Creek Elementary, like a lot of Alaskan kids. Oh, wait a minute.
2: (laughs) Wait a minute. We got to talk about the moose tongue sandwiches. I mean, I was a, I took moose tongue sandwiches. Oh, oh okay. man. I, All right. A little, dark, a little dark bread, a little spicy mustard. Oh, man. That's right. Yeah. I haven't had a moose tongue sandwich in about 10 years, and I'm really jonesing for one right now. So thanks for bringing it up. brings
1: back the memories,
2: doesn't it? I, thanks for bringing that up. All right. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So uh, my husband and I have uh, five kids and their families have kids. And so we have five grandkids. Everybody in our family lives in Alaska. Our oldest son lives the furthest away from us and he lives in Nome. Um, So uh, I'm also a realtor and I've been involved in real estate in Alaska for most of my adult life. Um, I've always been very involved in our community. Because I am a family person, I'm a business person, and our community in Alaska has always been very important to me. It's my home and it's where I intend to live uh, for, you know, the rest of my life. Um, So as I've stayed involved, I've worked on... um, Parental choice issues for 27 years, I helped write the very first charter to start family partnership charter school, which started the whole charter school movement in Alaska, which is really a positive step for our families. Um, And then while I've been working and running businesses, I also... um, I uh, started volunteering for an organization called Priceless Alaska, which is an organization that works with women rescued from sex trafficking in Alaska, which is a terrible issue, and became their transitional housing director and program director and did that for quite a while. So I have a unique uh, perspective on business, a unique perspective on education and families, and a unique perspective on social issues in Alaska.
2: And yeah, I mean that's that's good to hear. Uh, being engaged and doing all these things. Now you ran for uh, for assembly. I was going to say borough assembly. It's municipal assembly in Anchorage. Uh, you ran for assembly. Um, that didn't come to fruition. That was, I mean, that was a bitter race for a lot of people. Yeah. It I mean, at the very contentious right now. It's like open warfare in Anchorage right now between assembly candidates and and mayors and everything. Uh, I'm glad I don't live in Anchorage is what I'm saying. Uh, But you now made this transition up to the state house. So I guess what I want to ask is, especially in light of the contentiousness of your last race and everything, you know, what exactly did you lose your mind? I mean, what exactly did you say, (laughs) I really want to be involved in these political things. Let me go out there and get riddled full of arrows. That sounds like fun. I mean, what was the what was the, the impetus? Was there a single thing that just tripped you over like the final straw or was it cumulative or, you know, give us a little bit of your mindset there
1: it, it really you michael you could say that i kind of lost my mind because a couple years ago uh, several years ago my husband who uh, was a full-time national army guard pilot came home from afghanistan for the uh, he was over there many many times in iraq and afghanistan that's what our family that's the way our family lived uh And he was fighting for, you know, our freedom to continue here in the U.S. And it was a decision that we had made as a family that we were going to continue to do that. He's a he's an Army National Guard pilot Uh, and he retired and we're ready for the good life. Right. And then I wake up one day and all our businesses are closed. And in my district and in my circle of friends, lots of. Lots of businesses, people own businesses, and uh, I am normally a happy person. I really like my life. I'm very optimistic, and I realized I was waking up angry every day. I didn't like the fact that bureaucrats had taken over our decision-making process for our families Um, That our kids couldn't go to school, that our businesses were being closed, that our life was shut down. And, and I really one day I, I woke up and I, I was angry again. And I said to my husband, I feel like you fought for our country for 32 years, and now it's my time to step up and do that. And so I really started thinking about what can I do. And, Um, I have always been that kind of person. If there's a problem, I look to myself for the solution. What can I do? And I thought, you know, I can bring a voice that's looking for different results in this community. And I don't really know what that's going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to be, you know, uh, how people are going to... Um, respond to me but this is this is what I believe in and this is what I care about and this is what I'm going to stand up and do so I the first time I actually in 2000 ran for state house then um, against Chris Tuck and that was another thing is we've had um, leftists in in this district elected Uh, For about a decade and that's not what I see. I don't see that as representation in this district. So I ran against him. I won the primary against another um, Republican and then ran against him and uh, uh, just really did a good job. It was a I, I came very close. Um, and then thought, well, I didn't win, so that was that was you know what I did, and I'll move on to to trying to help in some other way. But um, then the assembly was just losing it, as you know, right, and right. Anchorage was being moved into a direction that I was not happy with, and so I made the decision to run for assembly with a lot of support from, as you said, a a big group of people that we were trying to make some changes in Anchorage, and that was a hard-fought race. We worked so hard. We had a great team. We really worked hard. I really felt like we had a chance, and uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that that didn't turn around. Um, and then again, I thought, okay, well, that was it. Really, you know, really fought hard. That was it. And uh, the, as soon as we realized that that, uh, that was a losing race, I started getting phone calls from other conservatives in our district saying, you know, your name recognition and you've been out there and people are responding to you. And would you please try one more time? And so Steve and I talked about it. It's a huge commitment, as you know. Um, I still run a business, I still have, you know, big family. And uh, I just thought, I, I am not the kind of person that could just let someone walk into that office without a real um, competition. Right. And so we declared to run again. I always say we because it's a huge team. My whole family's involved, and we have a lot of volunteers and um, people that are really supportive. And, and so here we are again, and this, this election has been going well. We had a primary. Uh, there were three of us in the primary, and when it all ended up, shaking out at the end, I ended up winning by one vote.
2: Right. Oh, it's I mean, and that's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, how close it is, uh, when it's uh, all said and done. Yeah, because the preliminary numbers, when they first came out the day after the election, you were at 48%. He was at 45. But then it just trickled down, trickled down, trickled down. And it's, you know, people say, it doesn't matter if we vote or not anymore. I've seen so many races in my 20 – I've been broadcasting uh, in the state of Alaska continuously for over 23 years, and I've seen Mm -hmm. a lot of different races, and I have seen – I can probably – Probably five or six races in this state, uh, local and everything else that are that are decided by less than ten votes, several of them decided by one vote and one decided by a coin toss i mean that 's how you know your vote your vote does count, and I think that 's important to uh, to know um, kathy uh, you know you have now stepped up into the community. I imagine that you 're probably going around door to door talking to constituents. You talked about how your district. So far it's been blue for a while but now with redistricting and the lines are kind of changing around and everything else and to see this result in the primary do you feel like maybe the uh, district is moving a little bit more towards the purplish red side or what you know give me a feel for what uh, what your constituents are are, are telling you
1: Yes, we've we've picked up a little bit more of a conservative precinct, and then we've also picked up a little bit more of a of a liberal precinct. But in the balance, we have moved a little towards conservative, and so I think that that is helping me. The other thing that's helping me is that my opponent, um, uh, previous his previous district only had two of the precincts that we now have, so okay. he hasn't been well known in this district he hasn't been involved in this district whereas I've been knocking on doors and talking to people in this district. well I've lived here for a long time for one thing and then the other thing is that I've been campaigning here for two years so people are used to seeing my signs they're used to having me knock on the door they know I'm coming and you know they stop me in the grocery store and we talk and we talk issues and so those things are helpful
2: Right. Exactly. Kathy, as you go out and you talk to your constituents in your neighborhoods and around the the various places, you know, what are the big issues? I mean, I know what my issue is. I know what the people who listen to this show, I know what they call in about and everything else. But I'm curious, you know, when you go out there, you know, the first thing when they open the door and they start talking to you and realize who they are, do they talk about – you know the PFD. Do they talk about uh, rank choice voting? Do they talk about the budget? Do they talk about inflation, the economy? What what are the crime? I mean, what are the things that uh, what are the things that matter to your constituents? What's the number one issue that's coming forward to you as a candidate?
1: You know, Michael, the list that you just said is really what we talk about all the time. What I hear all the time. I will say the number one um, topic of conversation when I'm out there knocking on doors is the PFD. Um, You know, I'm in a working class uh, district. That PFD for every family member makes a big difference for these families. Uh, I am pro-PFD. You know, I think anybody that's lived in Alaska their whole lives and know what the PFD really is, um, really understands that that is the Alaskan people's money. Right. And so when they arbitrarily decided that they're going to take part of our money and we should be grateful for the amount that they leave us, uh, people are are not happy about that. Understandably, people want that to be solidified so that we know exactly that the that's, the PFD is not going to be a political football that the legislature uses every year to get whatever special interests they're interested in working with. And so that that is number one this year. It's very interesting because we have the largest PFD ever in the state history, and we know that it should have been quite a bit bigger. And the state has taken thousands of dollars. We've never had a tax in the history of the United States that taxed children. Taking a permit fund dividend away from my grandchild is taxing my grandchild. And I, I don't agree with that, and I'll fight right. against it.
2: Um, let me Let me get a clarification from you here, because I know where you're going with this, and I know what your position is. But just for people who are listening, because we've had a lot of candidates that say, well, I'm pro-PFD. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm for the PFD. I'm, you know, I want a sustainable PFD. I want a PFD that, you know, is reasonable and rational. Um, But let me just be clear. You are talking about following the statutory formula and giving people their full PFD and keeping government's hands off of it. They can live on their 50% or whatever that they get, plus the 75, all the other monies that they got. But we should be getting our full statutory PFD. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. And, you know, even my opponent says that he's for the PFD and he spent the last seven years whittling away and chipping away at, at our money. And it's not just that they, uh, that they want to take our money. They want to take our money and give it to the government to grow government programs right. in an already bloated government. And so I don't I don't, that is not my position. I will never do that. Um, I do believe 100% that that is Alaska's Alaskans money. That's my money and your money, not, not the state's money. And so I will, I will continue to fight for that. I, it's, it's interesting how people have twisted that exactly what you're saying, Michael, to be able to say, I'm pro sustainable PFD. Right, right. Well, if you grow the government to these unsustainable levels, PFD will never be a state um, sustainable. They will have to take the PS PFD from us. Right. to sustain their bloated government. I, I don't support well, that. Well,
2: it's a reasonable, right? It's a reasonable PFD. We Not want reasonable. a reasonable PFD. We want a sustainable PFD. Yeah. I mean, they put all these they put all these modifiers on the, on the phrase PFD and they say, that's what of course we want. I support a PFD. Right. A PFD that's supportable, sustainable, manageable, uh, gullible. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Kathy Hensley is our guest, candidate for District 13. We're up against the break. We're gonna take a quick one. And when we come back, we're gonna dive down and to some more issues some more details of her campaign and then we'll find out where we can uh, find out more about her and all that kind of stuff Uh, meanwhile we're going to be talking with her in the chat room during the commercial break and then we'll be back it is the michael duke show broadcasting live across the state of alaska on this your favorite radio station and or fm translator and around the world on the interwebs it's a series of tubes That's right, at michaeldukeshow.com, where you'll find the audio only live stream, and of course, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and more. Back with more and Kathy Hensley right after this. Don't go anywhere.
0: We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and com.
2: Okay, we're in the break right now. Kathy Hansley <laughs> Michael on YouTube just said Kathy needs a Duke's coffee mug, the Beard Curler Coffee, uh, Michael Duke Show Six O'clock Club mug. That's what she needs. Uh, it says hi there, sunshine. Well, that's probably more positive than my mug, so I can't, I can't, uh, I can't uh, talk about that. Um, all right, uh, let's see. You can. Um uh, I'm sorry, just somebody just said you can two monster drinks and one pot of coffee. I only had one monster drink and a half a cup of coffee, but I'm fine this morning. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just fine. It's all good. Uh, let me go through the chat room real quick to see what uh, if anybody has had any questions or discussions. Uh, Sandy, this is off of uh, Your early comments here Sandy says, people don't realize how bad Sex trafficking is in Alaska I know that you've uh, you've uh, addressed That, and yeah, we do have some Issues with that here for sure, Michael Says Kathy would be a steady conservative voice Right in the middle of Anchorage, which uh, Also would good, David Says uh, she has a good chance of winning, right Based on the primary, her district seems like it's A swing, but again, those Are the preliminary primary numbers where she Was up by 3% or so, remember when it came down to it, all the votes were counted, everything else, one, one, i got to find the camera, one single vote, one vote. Your vote does count. But it's also a good sign, Kathy, I think, because, again, it does show how with the redistricting and everything else, those things can change, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And another thing that's very uh- it's really good news is we had three people in the race. Tim Hewitt was the um, Alaska independence party candidate and he and I have talked uh, throughout the campaign and he um, withdrew from the race and is supporting me. And so he uh, I think he, he got about 244 votes. So if we can get those voters out and if they can choose to support me, that would be another uh, plus for, for our campaign
2: right exactly i mean and that's the good news is we've had several races where they had a handful of people drop out of various races uh and that uh, that gives a chance uh, for the you know for kind of a better meet a kind of a better competition between just a couple candidates instead of uh, four or five or however many candidates are in that race so i think that that's a uh, that's definitely a good thing uh let me scroll through here just in case uh real quick to see if there's anything else um Uh, That uh, people have asked Nope, I think that's pretty much All the comments so far Um, But, uh, you know, Kathy I want to come back to What we were just talking about Which is the PFD um, because again, uh, I mean, this is the question that I ask all the time of candidates when I say, "What's the number one thing they're talking about?" And I would say, eighty-five percent of the candidates, what what are your constituents talking about? Rather, eighty-five percent of the candidates come back and say the number one thing they're all talking about all the things that I said, but the number one thing, like you said, is the PFD. Um, because I think it's really on Alaskans' mind. I mean, Alaska is a very unique state. I mean, we have a unique uh, you know, the, with our resource base with the fact that we don't own any of the subsurface mineral rights, that that's owned collectively. The fact that the permanent fund dividend was set up to break off a portion of those um, those wealth that wealth and distribute it distributed to the people. Jay Hammond called it the kind of the most capitalistic aspect of it is that you were getting basically paid for your loss of your mineral resources and that then you, would have, then you would have kind of skin in the game, so to speak. Um, and so I think more and more people are concerned about the PFD. And you're right. We have to ask those clarifying questions because, as you said, you know, how many candidates have said, I'm for a PFD, a sustainable PFD, or a reasonable PFD, or whatever modifier they're going to use. But the people, when they think PFD, they understand, a lot of them understand, not all of them, that that is really, that's your money. That's not just free money that the government gives out. That is your Share of the resource wealth in the state of Alaska, right?
1: That's exactly right. And I know a lot of people do not understand that, especially people that are newer to Alaska. They don't understand that we did when when the permanent fund divid- when the permanent fund was established, we did give up our mineral mineral rights. If you lived in Texas and drilled in your backyard and hit oil, you could put an oil rig out there and you could make money off of that. That is not true in Alaska. That's not the way we have it. Um, and a lot of it is because of a lot of our resources are in the Arctic and for people you know, that are working a regular job in Anchorage or in in the Valley or whatever, they're not going to be able to access those resources. So it's, it's a way for us all to participate in the absolute amazing wealth of this state. And it is our money. It's just like if we invested in anything, if we invested in any business, and the business owner one year came by and said, you know, we've decided not to pay your share of the dividend this year because we wanted to buy a new truck. For myself, you know, right. and we would take them to court and say, No, that's not the way this works. This right. is a business arrangement, and we're going to stick to the contract that we all agreed on,
2: right? Many years. So. We're all shareholders. I mean, we're shareholders yeah. in a company. It's like going, like you said, a money market, uh, you know, company sends you dividends every year, and then one year they say, you know, we didn't, we didn't really have enough money to kind of operate, and we kind of got a little excessive. So we're going to take some of your money, and we're going to keep it and then spend it how we think we should. Sorry. Uh, and that's just not how it's supposed to run. I mean, that was not the intent of it. And uh, so we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping that this stops being the political football that it's been over the last few years. All right. We just heard the ding. It's time to jump back into it. Kathy Hensley is our guest candidate for District 13. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty Bay. Based free thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Let's go. All right. We're going to continue here now. Uh, Kathy Hensley is our guest. Candidate for House District uh, 13. Don't forget, coming up uh, after the top of the hour, we're going to be talking with Louis Flora, who is uh, running down in Homer for uh, House District uh, 6. I got to remember every time they do the redistricting, they flip all the house districts and it takes me 10 years to memorize them all and then they got to get it all screwed up. All right, Kathy. So let's talk a little bit here about we just talked about the PFD and I think we're pretty clear on where you stand on the PFD. But let's talk a little bit more about some of the other issues, you know, budgets, uh, uh, departments, things like that as you look at things. Uh, So I guess the first question is, you know, the size and scope of government. Are we too big? Are we too small? Are we just right? I mean, we're we're where do you think we sit right now on state spending, and uh, if it's too big or too small, how should we increase or decrease it? What's your What's your take here?
1: Yeah. So the the short answer is we're too big. We are we have a bloated government. People have a hard time seeing where we can cut, but I come at this as a business person. And when you are when you're running a business, you have a bottom line that you have to meet. Um, you know, we have to pay certain things, and we have to meet payroll and all those kinds of things. But we also have to be bringing in revenue. So the, the, you know, as, long as our government has grown and grown and grown. And we we need to make some cuts. And there are policies that are out there that we can look at that can make reasonable cuts. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that uh, bemoan cutting government. But when uh, almost a third of our jobs in the state are somehow connected to the government, that's too much.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a, that's, a good, uh, that's a good summation of kind of where I'm at as well uh, You know, when we first got that first big revenue payment uh, For the first oil check that we got from, uh, from the oil companies You know, it was $900 million This is back in 1969, 1970 And uh, it was $900 million At that point, the state budget, the entirety of the state budget Was like $152 million That was it And if we extrapolated that out for both population growth and for inflation, we should be somewhere in the $2.3 billion range for a state budget. Instead, we're spending like $6 billion. And at some point, you got to go, I mean, how can we be all things to all people? What is the Constitution demand that we provide? And what are we, what's the nice to haves versus the must haves, right? I mean, is that kind of the conversation that you have?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, what we really should be concentrating on is how do we grow the private sector? How do we make the private sector um, uh, increase? And we know that when the private sector increases, quality of life goes up, our tax base actually goes up. And um, and then we're not so dependent on government jobs, because that is one thing that people say, you know, if we if we cut, we're going to be cutting people's jobs. Well, if we're growing the private sector like we can, if we're encouraging innovation in Alaska, resource development, um, all the things that we know that we can do in Alaska, we can turn this around. It doesn't have to be this way for us to have the standard of living that we have.
2: Yeah, and and, and I, as we look at this, and of course we look at some of the biggest, we look at some of the biggest uh, uh, lines in the budget. Of course, you know, health and social services are number one. Mm-hmm. Education is number two. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're spending huge and huge amounts of money on this. We have the, of course, the Medicaid expansion. You know, mm-hmm. ju- enormously increased the uh, the health and social services spend, and we continue to spend more on education than almost any other state in the country. We're like, th- I think, third in the Nation, as far mm-hmm. as some districts were spending, you know, seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars per student, and yet we continue to get the lowest scholastic scores, and we have one in four don't even graduate.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: is is the answer to that situation more money, or do we have to fundamentally, you know, do we have to really look at what we're doing and see if there's a fundamental flaw in the system overall? What's your what's your take on the education system?
1: I think that that's the the right question, Michael. What I get asked all the time is, you know, we have a $64 million shortfall in the, in the education budget. How are we going to close that gap? That's not the right question. What I want to look at constantly is results. And I just looked at these statistics yesterday, and the statistics that I read said that we're spending more than 49 other states, and our results were uh, 49 other states are doing better than we're doing. So... This is if if the results that we want are that our children get a, a good education, a solid academic education, we're not getting those results. No matter how much money we're spending, we are not getting those results. So we need to take a look at what the policies are that are going to get us to turn that around. You know, I graduated in 1984 from service high school, go cougars, and uh, we were second in the nation. We were right in the middle for how much we were spending, but we were we were getting really good. Uh, academic results so it's it's a matter of policy and it's it's a different mindset money if money were the answer all of our children should be going to harvard if if that's the way that worked so when we're spending uh just out of control in our district and then their answer is always how do we get more money and and, you know i'll tell you something that's really interesting that i find interesting michael is when i bring up results i am now characterized as anti-education Because I want results for our children.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Isn't that why we have an educational system for results for
2: our children? Isn't that the third rail of politics? Anytime you start talking about education and if you even suggest that there could be efficiencies found, that maybe we need to – maybe it's not the money. Maybe it's the way that we're teaching or the system that's fundamentally flawed and we should readdress it. You immediately get labeled anti-child, anti-progress, anti-education, whatever it is, when all I'm saying is I'm trying to have an honest conversation about it, and right. the immediate thing is you must hate children. And, and I don't. I love children. I love my children. I love everybody else's children. They're the future. But we are failing. If we, if we are at 48th, 49th, 50th percentile, or 50th out of 50 state achievements, and we have one in four not graduating, we are failing our children. And it's right. obviously not an issue of money because we've seen our, you know, the, the, the curve for our, for our spending is like, is like a, a you know, a hockey stick over the last 30 years. Th- then there's something else wrong. There's obviously something else wrong.
1: It is a very strange way to think about it because in my mind, if we are not educating our children, we are, we're anti-education, right? If we're not educating our children, why are we in this uh you know, and there's, there's proven ways to change policy in our educational system that can make the education experience much better and beneficial for our children, for our teachers, for our communities. And that's what we need to move to right now. The satisfaction with teachers is not very high. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's because we don't pay them enough. Well, Actually, I I actually agree that more of our budget needs to go directly into the classroom, and that means should affect teachers. If we're spending all this money on education, our teachers should be getting the most of that. They're not. And so they're not having job satisfaction. They're not, nobody goes into the profession of teaching to have a failing class. That's not what they want to do. No,
2: you've only got 40% or 43% of every dollar going into the classroom. You have to start asking questions about administration and overhead and duplication of effort. 54 different school districts, some of them with only a handful of kids. And I mean, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered here, but we're out of time for this. So I want (laughs) to give you the last 90 seconds here or so for your elevator pitch on why people should vote. Kathy Hensley, where they find you? Are you doing meet and greets? Uh, go, it's all you. Go.
1: Great. Well, first of all, I really appreciate you having me on, Michael. This is this is an important discussion, and i I want to ask people: Where do we want to go? What are the results that you are looking for in Alaska? If you're happy with the way things are going, then I'm probably not your candidate. If you want changes and you want to have results, and all of the uh, different topics that we've discussed this morning, then that's then you should be looking at voting for me and I would appreciate your consideration. Um, I am at KathyHensley.com um, and Hensley for Alaska is uh is my Facebook page. Um, so we would love for you to jump on board. We are needing lots of volunteers and there's lots of candidates running. So the volunteers are a little bit thinner, but one of the things that we're going to be working on is um, getting out the absentee ballots, which when someone uh, gets the election results in and then it starts dwindling down to the liberals getting it, that's almost always the absentee ballot. So we need right. to start working on getting those. So anyway, um, yes, please uh, email me. Um, hensley for alaska.com okay. at, oh, I'm sorry, kathy at hensley for alaska.com um, kathy
2: that's hensley it. candidate for district 13 thank you so much folks we're out of time back with more the michael duke show continues right after this and kathy uh we're in the break now we're i'm a slave to the clock that's a hard break i yes. can't i have no control All over you, that well, one i uh, I
1: got filtered
2: for a second <laughs> I know, no, it's fine, it's fine You did you did great um, So I want to give, I try and give every candidate You know, a little bit like a second bite at the apple uh, Right before we go Because we're not on the timer now We got about five minutes I see that Louis Flora is uh, waiting in the green room right now He's ready And uh, so we're going to come to him in a minute But I want to give you the last couple of minutes If there's something that we didn't touch on You know, a topic that is important to you Or uh, any final thoughts Or a longer summation Whatever you want to do I'm happy to <laughs>
1: what happened? What happened to my ear? Um,
2: so, whatever, uh, you know, if there's anything else you missed, uh, this is uh, your opportunity for that second bite at the apple, so to speak, here.
1: Okay. Is it okay if I um, talk about an event that I have coming yeah, up?
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. I'm going to do that.
2: She's looking it up, folks. That's what she's doing. For those of you listening on the audio stream, she's looking it up yeah. on her device. Go ahead. Oh, are you ready for me now? I'm ready for you now. Yeah. we're. Okay. we're hey, it's live. It's just me, you, and 60 of our closest <laughs> friends on Facebook right now. So go ahead. <laughs>
1: Here we go. So, yes, we do have some events coming up. And I think it's always encouraging for people in our community to get together with like-minded people and really talk about a a future that's possible for Alaska. So one thing that we have coming up is on um, September 27th, which is a Tuesday, we are going to be meeting at uh, Las Margaritas on Diamond, which is in my district. And we're going to have some South um, Anchorage candidates there. Laddie Shaw, who's always a hoot to hang out with. Tom McKay, Craig Johnson, and Julie collum uh, We're all going to be there and we would love to have you stop by and talk issues with us and get to, we'd love to meet you. So that's, that's something I'd like to invite everybody to.
2: Okay. So next Tuesday, Las Margaritas at what time?
1: At from 5.30 to
2: 7. 5.30 to 7. All right. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff. Um, yeah. Kathy, any final thoughts before I let you go then?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, there's, there's several differences between my opponent and I, one of them that I is really always so surprising to me is he, he's anti hunting. He is, uh, and you know, that it's just this Alaskan way of life that I am totally for independence, freedom, um, the ability to live the life that we want to live the way we want to live it. And to me, those are reasonable expectations to live in the greatest state in the greatest country in the world. All right,
2: good I, and I think uh, that's beautifully said I'll, we'll leave it there again hensley for com is your website and uh, Kathy at Hensley for com. so good luck to you I hope uh, I hope things are, again a good race this is going to be one of the stiffer races in the uh, uh, in the legislature and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the results are um, I've liked all your answers uh, for today and uh, if we have time maybe we'll try and get you back on one more time before the uh, end of the uh, before the actual uh, uh, election itself uh, although we had an explosion of responses when I sent out I sent out 130 something emails we got a bunch of people who responded so I'm glad that uh, we were able to get you on appreciate you coming on board this morning Kathy Hensley thank you so much
1: Thank you
2: Michael. All right folks, uh that uh that puts Kathy Hensley uh, back into the green room and tell her thank you for that. Appreciate it. She can uh she can go on her merry way to continue her morning. Meanwhile, let's uh, jump on over to Louis Flora, who is our guest for the next hour. He's candidate for House district uh, s- uh six which is down of course in the homer area the seat currently occupied by uh, sarah vance and uh, he joins us this morning uh, uh to say hi and get a discussion on good morning louie how are you good morning i'm
3: doing well it's uh bright and early and still dark down in homer um not quite rain in this morning, but uh,
2: <laughs> you're, you're happy to be here. You're lucky. Everybody else, it's rain. I keep making jokes about the big boat and two of every animal walking down the street. That's what it looks like <laughs> around here. I swear, my dog. My dog looks at me and said, "Can you put my little, you know, my little uh, floaty arms on me before I go out on the lawn to use the bathroom?" I mean, it's kind of that way around here. Um, all right, Louis, uh, you sound good. Yeah, we got your good picture here, so we're just checking picture quality. We're about to jump into this. We are. Uh, About three minutes away here From rejoining the radio And then we will kick things off with you And just start right out of the gate If you're ready, we're ready to go
3: I think I'm ready. I've had two cups of coffee, so I'm doing good.
2: Okay, good. Don't please try not to vibrate off the screen too much. Maybe two is too much. I don't know. We'll find out, Uh, Louis. I'm going to put you back in the green room, Louis Flora, our guest uh, again, uh, a nonpartisan candidate for House District Six down uh, on uh, in the Homer area, down there in the lower peninsula. Uh, So we're going to jump into that, folks. uh, Do me a favor. Would you do me a favor? Would you like and. Would you like and follow this show, like and follow the show page uh, on Facebook? Would you subscribe on YouTube and ring the bell if you're watching on YouTube? If you're on Facebook, go over to YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell. At least, you know, just for the – and then you can come right back. I know people are I don't like YouTube because it doesn't give me the the ever and the thing and I'm used to Facebook, which is fine. i got no problem with that whatsoever. But if you do me the huge favor, because my whole goal here is to get more Alaskans involved in the conversation, right? I mean that's what we really want. We want more Alaskans involved in the conversation all the time. So I just dropped the link in the chat room to the YouTube channel. And so go over there. Subscribe, ring the bell and then come right back to Facebook or you can go to Twitch and do that. I mean, whatever you want. I just want to get more folks involved. And of course, the more subscribers we have on each of the channels, the better chance for the secret algorithms to throw this up into people's faces as they're perusing the whatever they're perusing. That's what it's all about. So uh, anyway, if you would do that, I would uh, appreciate it. I would love that uh, it would help us out and uh, make everything better. Uh, 358 subscribers on YouTube. I got 4,000 subscribers on Facebook. I'm just trying to get a few of you over to the other platform as well, you know, because sometimes Facebook goes down. Sometimes YouTube goes down, whatever. Uh, Anyway, like and share, no matter where you are, you can share the show. Uh, You can share it with your social media uh, friends and family and, and everybody else, but get more people involved. That's the whole point here. All right, we're coming up to it. Let's do it. The Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hour two is right now. Let's do it. Here we go.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Yep, across the world on this thing we call the Internet. You can find it at MichaelDukeshow.com. That's where you've got the audio-only live stream, as well as links to all my social media sites uh, where we're simulcasting the show each and every morning. That would be Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, you can find the podcasts, which uh, are available every day uh, from any podcasting app, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google, Castbox, Stitcher, and, of course, Spotify. Spotify and if you subscribe to the podcast it automatically downloads every day. And you don't have to do anything about it It's all good Uh, So go check it out We're also broadcasting, of course, live across the state of Alaska On this, your favorite radio station And or FM translator From all the way down uh, In Adiak, Dutch Harbor um, uh, You know, on Alaska All the way up to The Interior and Fairbanks All the way up to Esther and and Fox And out there uh, Across the state And uh, we're spending our time right now Talking with candidates from around the state of Alaska uh, Because Electrification Election days are just uh, just under what just almost just under six weeks away. Six weeks from election day, and of course with ranked choice voting, we've got a plethora of candidates, and uh, it should be interesting. And I mean, I'm booking up uh, interviews right now into October, uh, so things are kind of hot and heavy. This morning we just finished up with Kathy Hensley, and now we're moving down onto the peninsula from Anchorage to talk with candidates down there. Uh, Joining us this morning on the program is nonpartisan candidate for House District 6, which is Homer and the Lower Peninsula. That's the seat currently being held by Sarah Vance, if you're in that area. Louis Flora joins us this morning to discuss uh, his candidacy, and uh, we want to get a little bit of insight into who he is, where he is, and where he comes from. He joins us this morning to discuss it. Good morning, my friend. How are you?
3: Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Hope the echo is not too bad. I'm in my campaign office here.
2: No, you're fine. It's uh, it's all good. Uh, we're we're used to uh, we're used to the vagaries of audio here on the program. And of course, I was just saying the one silver. Well, there's a couple silver linings, but one of the silver linings from the pandemic is now everybody's used to the kind of the Zoom lifestyle. So they've got the uh, they've got the audio and video down pretty much uh, pretty good. So now you 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 sound good, and we're ready to go into it. So, uh, Louie, folks. Uh, may May not know who you are. Uh, they may not know, you know, kind of your background and everything else. So first things first, let's jump into this and uh, find out, you know, who you are, where you are, where you come from. And uh, let's start. Uh, let's start right there.
3: Well, great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. My name is Louis Flora. I grew up uh, 16 and a half mile East End Road um, in Homer. My folks moved out there in the um, 70s. Um, we moved down full time in 78. I was born in Fairbanks. I um, went to school here through um, high school, graduated high school here, and um, went outside for a bit of um, travel and some education. I didn't um, quite finish my um, formal education ever because I went up to UAF and um, got enrolled in the um, university's um, internship program for the legislature in the early 2000s and really got fascinated by the legislative process. Um, that's, that's an internship through UAF and UAS where you um, go down and are immersed, you work in an office um, and are essentially a staff person down there um, seeing the whole process. And so I thought that was a fit with my uh, commercial fishing career as well, the legislative session um, wrapping up hopefully in uh, May. And so you can get on and I'm a lifelong Bristol Bay Fisherman. Um, but I, that started me off on uh, staff, uh, working as a staff down in Juneau for a decade. Um, so I'm very familiar with the legislative process. I've seen the highs and lows of uh, the different um, um, policy battles and uh, for a 10 year sprint there. And um, raising my family here, I have two kids in high school. Uh, my wife's um, works here as subs in the schools and works as a commercial fisherman as well and is uh, helping with the campaign and uh, that's about it i'm just uh, grew up here and uh, hoping to bring some of my um, experience from juno to bear uh, as a representative
2: Uh, one of the things i like to ask candidates is you know i mean you know what exactly you know, made you jump into the off into uh, you know the politics, or you know, I, I like to say, what exactly did you lose your mind? Was it a single thing? Was it a, you know, was it cumulative, or you know, but it sounds like you had an interest in politics for a while or way back. Uh, what made you jump from the behind the scenes into the public arena as uh, you know running for office? What what was the catalyst to uh, move you from uh, you know from staffer or behind the scenes to uh, the front of the front of the dais, so to speak?
3: Well, one thing I didn't mention, I'm on the I was elected to the uh, local utility board of directors uh, down here in Homer, the Homer Electric Association board. Um, and I think that's also kind of driven in me a desire to to change policies that might reduce uh, energy costs for Alaskans and we have a pretty high per kilowatt. Um, price on our electricity down here, and so we're working as a utility to um, look for different uh, diversifying our energy portfolio so that we're um, able to put downward pressure on rates and so i think that lawmakers can work together to come up with policies that help the average home and business owner with their um, utility and gas rates um, and decrease energy costs there i think in for me it's just a desire to help uh, businesses and average alaskans um, have a a lower cost of living is a real important goal of mine.
2: Um, you know, you're running in a race, uh, as a nonpartisan, um, and, uh, I, you know, I've I've seen kind of an interesting trend across the state here over the last 10 years or so where we've seen candidates from one, you know, thing or another crop, probably one of the most, uh, probably one of the most high profile was Bill Walker, who was a Republican, and then he became a nonpartisan. We've also seen, you know, people like Bryce Edgman who was a Democrat, now become an independent or a nonpartisan. What does nonpartisan mean to you? I mean, what, you know. If we had to label, and I know some people want to step away from labels because I don't want to be labeled, but if you had to identify, I mean, uh, you know, people want to know when you say nonpartisan, is it that you are, you know, conservative on some issues, liberal on other issues? You just don't know you're in the middle of the road, but I mean, how would you identify yourself or what are what are the things that make you not want to join one side or the other, I guess, is is my question.
3: Well, I've always been a nonpartisan registered Alaskan, and as you know, the majority of Alaskans are either nonpartisan or undeclared. Um, so I think it just gives a individual the freedom to choose by policy and by um, offic- you know, and by candidate who they support based on the soundness of their ideas. Um, I worked in the legislature um, in the Republican caucus um, as a staff person for for 10 years and so I you know pushed a number of policies forward it you know in my capacity as staff person which of course you're just behind the scenes um helper with the uh, um, policy analysis and shuffling papers and <laughs> getting people coffee and stuff but um you know I've so I've worked on on conservative policies and I've worked on I guess what you would call liberal policies you know policies around salmon habitat protection and, and other things that are more associated with kind of environmental uh, concerns. So a short answer, I'm I'm not going to give you a good answer, <laughs> but I, I, I like the freedom, you know, that there's a certain amount of freedom we cherish as Alaskans. And I think that translates over into our politics as well, you know, and so I, I value individual and nonpartisanship because of the freedom of it.
2: I uh, mean, I'm a libertarian, so I can identify in part with what you're saying because, uh, you know, at some point everybody hates me Because I don't like one policy or another And, and I choose that uh, as a You know, as a, as a lifestyle choice, that's for me uh, But I guess the bigger question Comes back to what well, one of the things We've seen being a bone of contention In the legislature is organization uh, And of course uh, You know, we've had a majority of Republicans Elected uh, over the last uh, Handful of years, and yet Every time it breaks down, there's always some kind of Fight, uh, whether it was on the House side This last time, even on the Senate side there was a delay in getting organized because of infighting between different parties. Uh, so, if you were elected to the House, um, are you constrained to? Are you going to, to stick with a majority? Are you going to avoid a Democratic or a Republican majority? Where, where would you sit, or would you join with either one of those if you were uh, if you were elected?
3: Yeah, and what I've you know I've I've been asked this question a number of times, and um, what I What I say is I will look at the characters that are making up the majority and who's gunning for what position. um, And I will make my decision based on that. And it really comes down to the chairs of finance is really important um, decision for a coastal lawmaker, you know, one that's not, because coastal and rural lawmakers really need to um, have that calculus when they go into the legislature, what's going to be protect the interest of, of their district um financially and so i i will look at who's um you know proposing to to be in leadership and make a decision based on that but at the end of the day it's going to be what's what's the healthiest for my district um we have a lot of a lot of specific needs in in my district um for infrastructure that i don't want to see railroaded by a, say if there's a majority that's from urban Anchorage. I mean, obviously they're going to, um, a a whole lot of it's going to, um, revolve around Anchorage and the Matt Valley, but, um, I do want to see leadership positions that look out for the interests of rural and coastal Alaska.
2: Uh, you were saying that you, you know, worked in the staff and you worked on conservative issues. Whose office did you work in when you were in the, in the legislature?
3: Well, this is the third rail for my.
2: <laughs> no, I,
3: I did. I worked for my friend Paul Seton. Oh, okay. Um, for, for ten years, and so um,
2: I was like, "What was the third rail? What was that all about?" Okay, I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, okay, uh, it gives us, you know, just so people have kind of a background. Now, as you've gone about and talked with people in your district, um, uh, I've run for office, and I always found that to be the most uh, exhausting, but also the most fulfilling part of a campaign was going door to door and talking with people and and being one-on-one and finding out their issues. Uh, And I've had candidates give me a variety of issues that they're they're, You know, their folks are concerned about the PFD, the economy, inflation, crime, uh, the budget. I mean, those kind of things. But as you go door to door and talk to people, what is the number one issue that your constituents are talking to you about um, as you go door to door out there?
3: Well, i you know, the, um, rank choice voting has been the, um, confusion with rank choice voting is something I've heard a lot of. Um, also the permanent fund dividend obviously is a big one. Uh, road maintenance is huge down here. Uh, we're getting our East Hill and West Hill are getting, um, resurfaced now. And, um, people are really happy about that. Um, homelessness, uh, one huge issue and Sarah Vance and I were both at, uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce meeting yesterday on this, but affordable housing and um, the problem of of not having enough housing for um, service industry and uh, seasonal workers in Homer um, to to live here, and some of them are having to move out of town and drive substantial distances to come to work, which cuts into their um, you know ability to keep and maintain a living wage. Um, but then we have the obviously Homer is a beautiful place and the housing market's going um going well here and a lot of people are are setting up the um, short-term rental and the vrbo um, industry so there's a there's kind of a tension there between affordable housing and the vrbo um,
2: issue which is like, all, that's, it, the, that's like the Airbnb, for those who don't know what that's like yeah, the Airbnb, VRBO is is vacation rentals, they're short-term vacation rentals when people rent out their homes or their apartments for short-term for the for the summer season, for the tourist season, right?
3: Yes, I'm sorry, I, yeah. didn't, I should have clarified that. No, that's
2: fine. <laughs> but- and so when you talk to these folks and they talk about these different things, uh, I mean, you know, the permanent fund, I know for many, I was just saying earlier to Kathy Hensley that, you know, all the – I asked this question of all the candidates and probably 85 percent of the candidates come back and say of all the issues, probably the one that keeps recycling back and is the most – urgent to many people is the permanent fund dividend, because it has the largest impact on their own personal economies. And it's all about the economy, stupid, right? That's what it's all about. And so, uh, you know, what are they saying about the PFD? I mean, are they concerned? Uh, are they, you know, wanting to get back to it? Uh, you know, what what is your what are your constituents saying about the permanent fund?
3: Well, the, my constituent said, um in very loudly in 1999, and I have a friend of mine brought me the election results again, but you know, when they asked whether the um, on the um, advisory question in 99 on whether state government to um, use a portion of the permanent fund to balance the budget, 52 um, percent turnout and 90 um, percent of voters back in 99 said no. So, you know, my district very clearly articulated their feelings on the permanent fund. Right.
2: Exactly. Um,
3: and, I, and I respect that. Um, and. And I too believe that the like a, probably a majority of candidates, um, that the you know the economic multiplier in this borough alone of the of the permanent fund, um, the activity it generates locally is is critical. And so when we cut the when we cut the permanent fund to balance the budget, what we're also doing is cutting our local economic activity. Um, we're having, like Keith Lee says on your show a lot, you know, it's an inverse head um, tax. It's a regressive tax um, on Alaskans when you cut the permanent fund. And so I'm absolutely um, opposed to to changes with the, you know, cutting the permanent fund or reducing it. And I, I additionally would like to see it become less of a football like the previous candidate was saying and and put in the Constitution um, so we we're able to get beyond that discussion and just right. establish that this, this this is the deal.
2: You know? Right. Uh, Louis Flores, our guest candidate for House District 6. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will dive into some deeper discussions on some of the other issues. We'll continue in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Okay, we're in the break right now, <clears throat> commercial break uh, with Louis Flora, uh, who is again candidate for House District Six down in the Peninsula. We got about four or five minutes, and Louis, I like to, uh, I like to kind of change gears during the commercial break so we don't repeat ourselves for the podcast later on. Um, uh, let me go back to. I saw a couple questions here out of the chat room. Uh, that I thought were interesting uh, because they were more localized questions. I see Bill in the chat room is asking. I would like to know Louis' stance on personal watercraft in the Ketchamack Bay. I know that's been a contentious issue down in the uh, Lower Peninsula, uh, where uh, you know that's been uh, it's been banned for quite some time, and now recently it's been reversed, and people have had a chance to uh, get on pro or con side of that. Where do you stand on uh, personal watercraft in the Ketchamack Bay?
3: Well, I think that the process that they took to um, rescind the prohibition, you know, cut the cut the public out um, to the degree that it was established um, through a rulemaking process that had a lot of public input. Um, I personally don't think that the I think it's a little overblown um, the concern about personal watercraft. I spend time out in the in the Ketchumac Bay. Um, I, I like to surf. And I know how bad the weather can be on the um, on the bay, and how un, unfun it can be for um, person, you know, for jet skiing uh, compared to other, you know, other lakes and stuff up in different parts of Alaska. So I, I'm I think that the environmental concern is a little overblown, considering the amount of um, water taxi traffic and other uh, vehicle traffic we have in the bay. Right. So, um, but process wise, I think it should, um, i you know, I believe it should have been um, more of a citizen based um, process with with
2: more input and not just uh, top down. So you're not against it per se. What you object to was the process that reinstated the personal watercraft. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I had to I I, As I was following this debate And I I call Homer my adopted hometown I'm very concerned about I love it down there And, you know, ideally You know, all things being equal I'd love to live down there one day But I had to laugh at it As I watched some of these things You know, where they're talking about The jet skis being polluting And now maybe if we were talking 35 years ago When they were all two-stroke oil leakers Doing all that kind of stuff But most of these jet skis these days Are cleaner than my car You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah I found – I agree with you that definitely overblown uh, in that regard. And I think people should have the ability, uh, you know, up until the point that they do something wrong, they should – you know, it's kind of innocent until proven guilty kind of thing. Um, I'm going over here. What will it be about the – so what will it be about the chairs of finance that will sway him? You mentioned earlier that in your decision to join a caucus or to bind with somebody that, you know, it would have to depend on who the chairs of finance. I mean if you were picking druthers, who would you want in finance? If that's the case, I mean, of the players that are out there now, you know, who would who would who would make it more appealing for you to join a caucus at that point uh, to be the co-chairs?
3: Well, I would want to see someone from coastal Alaska be a co-chair of finance and make sure that we have uh, rural representation, and you know, someone from from this district or um, Kodiak or Southeast that understands the you know deeply understands the needs of. Um, infrastructure needs of coastal Alaska and can really stand up and and fight for those um, would really be who who I'd want to see in place as at least a, one of the co-chairs.
2: Um, We're talking with uh, Louis Flora, candidate for House District 6. We're just over a minute away. Um, You mentioned putting the PFD and uh, uh, enshrining it in the Constitution. And so we'll start with that here when we return to the uh, radio, Um, uh, because I think that's a big issue for many people. Uh, There's been a big move against, uh, you know, constitutional convention and things like that. It could be done by the legislature, but we know there's really no political will to fix that. So we'll dive into those questions here in just a second. Hold the line, Louie. We're going to be right back to you. I'm going to kill your mic for a second, and we're going to come back. Folks, if you haven't yet, please like and share the show. It No matter what platform you're watching it on, you can share it. With, there's always a share button around there somewhere. You can share it with your local uh, friends and other social media contacts and everything else. We'd love to get more people involved in the conversation. Uh, we got about 60 people between the platforms this morning watching and seeing what's going on. We're going to continue here in just a minute. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common sense liberty-based free thinking radio you heard the ding time to go let's jump back into it here we go All right, we're continuing now. Louis Flora is our guest, nonpartisan candidate for House District 6. Right before the break, we were talking about the permanent fund dividend and uh, the fact that, as we've said many times on this program... That it is essentially sucking up all the oxygen in the room anytime that it's discussed in the legislature and has led and contributed to many a special session. We've had more special sessions in the last five (laughs) years than I think in all the previous years combined. Uh, And Louis talked about a couple things. And one of the things you mentioned, Louis, was enshrining the formula uh, and getting it – essentially taking the football off the table, taking that off the table and moving forward. And so when you say enshrining, what's your pathway for that? Is it a trying to get the legislature to do it, which – I'm skeptical of or is it a constitutional convention and what exactly would be enshrined would it be the statutory formula what's uh, what's your thoughts on that
3: Yeah I think that we um would need to have an advisory vote and then a um we would have to have the legislature um in the absence of a constitutional convention if we do if the people of Alaska decide the convention is the way they want to go then definitely that would be top on the agenda for the delegates to the convention to discuss. And I think um, looking at the form they would, the delegates would then be tasked with looking at um, the formula that we have in statute currently that the legislature has not been able to apparently follow um, and determine whether that's the, the what they want to enshrine or if they want to um, modify, you know, the modify the formula and enshrine a a different formula that's um provides more leeway for the legislature or sorry my pictures are falling down (laughs) um (laughs) but uh i think they'd start with the statutory formula and and the delegates would have the very difficult task of deciding whether that was what they want to enshrine in the Constitution.
2: Right. So do you support I mean, will you be supporting a con con at the vote? I mean, is that something you I mean, because again, We've seen a lot of discussion. Governor Dunleavy last year proposed putting it in the uh, putting into the Constitution. There was a flurry of support from everyone from Louise Stutes down on the Republican side to try and do it. And of course, it immediately went nowhere. So obviously not really any political will to get it done through the legislature. So would you support a con con? uh, You know, do you support that idea of that's the only way to get it into the uh, Constitution?
3: Well, I think the political will, I mean, if if they work on it enough in the legislature and it, I mean, they're getting closer to that um, turning point, I believe, um, you know, with the numerous special sessions and really realizing that this is something that's un, untenable to have this um, debate year after year after year. Um, and obviously the majority of Alaskans strongly support the the dividend. Um so I, th- I think the legislature could can do it. I personally am a no vote on the constitutional convention because I think it opens up too much of a Pandora's box for um, debate on different subjects that we don't even um, have on our radar right now, as far as um, all the different provisions that deal with natural resource um, utilization and fisheries. Um, so I'm, I'm very concerned and wary of, of opening up the constitution right now. But on the other hand, I did have a good conversation with a gentleman yesterday who said he thought having the convention could be kind of a pressure relief valve for, for Alaska, you know, to get some of these political tensions, um, defused to have a bunch of delegates come together in a, in a convention setting and have the conversations one-on-one, um, in a formal setting, you know, it, it could, lead to more, you know, agreement in society than discord, I right. you know, like I said, as you can tell, I'm a little torn, because yeah. I, on the other hand, I think it could lead to a, a great deal of division. Right um, on the specific questions. Well,
2: so. and I don't think you're alone on that. I mean, early on, I was very torn and was not in favor of the con con specifically for a lot of the reasons you talk about. Because once you open it up, there's potentials for many changes, not just the changes you want. But I was finally swayed with the idea of the people have to ratify and they have to make the final decision. And as you pointed out in that vote of ninety nine, the people, you know, if it's a PFD and things like that, those things could be locked in. If there's something else that gets changed and the people support it. We have to kind of live with that. That's how that's how it works. Um, I was uh, uh, I was uh, encouraged by your uh, your earlier comment that there needs to be an advisory vote of the people on any PFD change. Uh, I'm assuming that that's something that you would stand for in the legislature. If you were a legislator, that they must have a say that the legislature just can't arbitrarily change something that they should have at least an advisory vote on it. Right. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and I noted, sure. uh, and I noticed, you know, again going back to what you were talking about, the ninety-nine vote, which essentially was the ninety-nine vote was a precursor to SB twenty-six, which is the POMV law, and the POMV law, unfortunately, um, is in direct contravention with uh, the statutory formula. I mean, they could work together, but really, you'd have to really kind of warp it and jump through some hoops, but primarily it's it's in contravention with what the, per, the the statutory PFD formula says so the question is uh, and i know there's already legislators who are talking about putting together legislation to repeal SB26 because it doesn't have a lot of the inflation proofing and a lot of the market um, you know driven uh, balances to keep the permanent fund in check um and there's a lot of people talking about uh, repealing or attempting to repeal SB26 what are your thoughts on the POMV law uh, and would you support uh, uh, you know, a repeal to at least say we can then follow the law with a statute because now there's no conflict. I would
3: definitely support um, reanalysis of that um, concept. I think where we go then, um, as a as a state, is a serious discussion about broad-based taxes of some kind. Uh, you know, a, a broad-based sales tax or a flat income tax. But I think you know when when you remove that pomv um and the use of the the earnings um i think it leads directly to that discussion which i mean we probably are going to have to have it pretty soon anyways um and but i would definitely support um rescinding a reanalysis and likely rescind rescinding that Um, statute.
2: um, Yeah. So when when you say, uh, again, supporting the PFD, do you believe, I mean, if you had been in the legislature this last go around where they were voting on a full statutory PFB, would you have been a a yes vote on a full statutory PFD? Do you believe that that's the people's money and they should have it?
3: Yeah, I definitely would have, you know, and um, when the numbers aren't there though, I mean, if you, we, you know, the vast majority of the house concurred on the, on the lesser amount, which is still the biggest um, dividend in state history. And so it's really a protest vote um, to take, you know, to oppose the biggest um, dividend in state history. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, if if the numbers aren't there, working uh, practical politics, then you, um, I would, I would vote for the, um, you know, what came out of there with the largest PFD in state history, but
2: wanting more. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, we keep getting to this point where people say, you know, I support a PFD, uh, a sustainable PFD, uh, a reasonable PFD. We see all these, you know, modifiers to the PFD term. But really, do you, you know, I want to ask people straight out, statutory PFD, is that what the people should, the statutory formula this worked for 40 years, should that be what the people are getting? Or should government be, as you talked about earlier, having this inverted head tax on every child, man, woman in the state? Uh, should they be taking that money for government or should they be just transferring it like they've done for years giving people the money allowing it to affect the economy grow the private economy or should they be saying no we're going to pick and choose where that money's going to go we know better than you how to spend that money
3: No for sure I mean that that's part of the discussion and you know on why there's a push for a constitutional convention I think as well and I've you know I've heard it said on your show that people are um you know, disappointed in in legislators for going outside the law on on the statutory formula on 90 day session, you know, there's there's frustration there. And I understand that. Um, And so I think that getting, you know, you have a statute if if they need to look at the statute, if it's not working for the present situation, then that's the totally um, the rights of a legislator. Sure. to modify the statute. But yeah, I mean, the formulas worked. I think we go by the formula and we provide the economic value of the PFD, and then we look at size of government and ways to fund it. And there's a lot of um, options on the table, I think, for, for funding government.
2: All right, we'll dismount from this horse. I think we beat this one to death. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the budget overall. Uh, you know, the size and scope of government, the budget in the state of Alaska, $6 billion. Uh, you know, is the size of government uh, too big, too small? Just right. What, what is Louis Flores' take on the size and scope of government in Alaska right now?
3: I think we have to look at all the programs, including the um, subsidies that we provide as a government program, um, you know, we need to definitely take a, another um, look at the deductible um, tax credits that we're offering for legacy fields up on the North Slope for that, um, you know, as part of a tax structure that was designed to, um, designed to increase investment, employment and production. And we need to make sure that the system we have in place with the amount of money that we're the state is foregoing and deductible tax credits that that program is actually doing what it's intended to do. Right. Um, and so I, that's, you know, I think the size of government right now is uh, we're living within our means as much as we can. We still have a structural um, deficit moving forward, but the um, infrastructure money from the federal government and the recent um, oil price increase um, and the, you know, when the market was was um, on, the, on the rise, that was helpful for for the whole state and kind of delayed the discussion on on how to fund government. Um, I think that the education system we need to definitely take a look at how we can um, best serve the children and through you know teacher retention, teacher pay, and also um, energy costs for school buildings. We have an extremely diverse um, school system, and so you know looking from Western Alaska uh, all the way down to um, in, in my district with the, um, different, uh, Russian old believer villages. And, um, we have Anchorage with some of the most language diverse, uh, neighborhoods in, in the United States. Um, so there's, it's, it's not just as simple as we have a huge education budget, um, and we're underperforming. It's, it's a matter of looking at this giant state with all sorts of needs and, um, coming up with solutions and it, and it would take, The legislature a whole session or whole legislature i think to really come to terms with how we um how we decrease costs and um, increase performance in our education system i think the alaska reads act was a um, is a good start um to increase for for outcomes um the governor and number of lawmakers that passed that and so i think focusing on on early outcomes is one way to um increase performance overall and also ultimately, um, increase, uh, public safety and, you know, the betterment of society if we're really focusing on early learning outcomes.
2: Um, I mean, you said, you know, government is currently living within its means. Um, I mean, so what I said, too big, too small, just right. Are you falling into the just right category? I mean, is that what you're saying is that you think that's what we're getting right now or what we're, we're the spend that we're having right now is, is appropriate. Is that what you're saying?
3: Well, I mean, you look at programs like the oil spill prevention and response budget that protects uh, coastal Alaska for from oil spills um, and, and allows our fishing fleets to be prepared to respond. And that program is going into a deficit very soon. Um, there's other there's a lot of programs that on a case by case basis they um, you know, when they come to the legislature for their um, in the budget finance subcommittee process, they're they're um, showing that they're cut to the bone essentially and so I think it's it's easy to talk about generalities about government but when you get down to the legislature and um each department has come into the legislature with their needs and the legislature has provided as much funding um, as they deem adequate but then there's still unallocated reductions that potentially the governor wants to see them make without specifying what department, I think that's a real problem. And so it's really the governor needs to come up with a budget that's, um, Specifies exactly what um, those those reductions right. are, and not pass it uh, on to the legislature.
2: So, um, uh, Timothy, I was going to let you go, but I, uh, actually, we we don't have enough time here. I want it, so I'm going to hold you over for just a little bit. We're going to continue a couple minutes into the next segment. Louis Flora is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues, uh, folks. Don't go anywhere. We will be back with more here in just a moment common sense liberty-based free-thinking radio it's what we do every day the michael duke show back with more and louis flora right after this our light our guide and our trusted friend michael michael Okay, we're in the break right now with Louis Flora. Um, so hopefully, Louis, that's okay that I keep you over here for just a, for just a minute or so here as we uh, as we keep, uh, keep things going on. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse with this one, but I, again, I'm coming back to uh, this idea. You did say, you know, earlier because of the infrastructure money, because of CARES Act money, because of oil prices spiral. You know, we're we're taking care of those issues now, but all of those things are either one time or short term fixes i mean the market vagrities of oil you know because of the war in ukraine that's why we've seen the the spike that will probably continue to you know it's slowly diminishing uh you know the infrastructure and the cares act money those were all you know one time fixes or short term fixes i mean we've got a as you said we have a structural deficit in this state and so the question is do we go out and find and raise more money do we take more of the pfd uh do we create a taxation structure or whatever uh, to try and fill the structural deficit, or do we look at the programs that are being discussed and say, what are nice to haves and what are must haves? I mean, what the con you know the Constitution mandates infrastructure, public safety, and education. Everything outside of that, in my mind, is a nice to have it it should either be taken up by local governments or private, you know, private organizations or whatever. We're doing a lot of things that we may not necessarily be mandated to do. And with a structural deficit, don't we have a responsibility to look at those things and cut them back?
3: I think so. Yeah, definitely. And that's the budget process every year that the um, legislature undertakes. And, and that's a healthy process. Um, We do have a, a, I mean, as an elected official, you have a a responsibility to analyze what programs there are and whether they should be um, maintained or whether they should fall under the budget acts. Um, And that's looked at every year, I think that, you know, there are definite reductions, Um, there's smart strategies for um, looking at teacher um, retention and hire, and looking at um, how we're how we're, um, maintaining our employees. I think we can, um, I think overall though, what we're going to need is not just a reduction in government, but an increase in, um, development of resources and private business that create and generate tax revenue for Alaska. And so I think the, um, overall future strategy has to be looking at what, you know, what are we doing to drive innovation in Alaska, to bring population into Alaska, to continue to grow our economy? Um, and it, as, as the last um, speaker said, you know, it can't all be our economy. It's not healthy that we're um, entirely a third of our economy is government based. Right. Um, so I think we for the overall health, we need to be always looking at, um, you know, different uh different businesses coming into the state and how we incentivize that is important.
2: Well, it's one of the philosophies that I really loathe in government um, that seems to be coming out more and more recently in the last five, six years in the state where we see a lot of discussion about Government creating jobs, government creating and driving the economy, and that's part of the problem. Is that government is a net consumer; it's not a creation mechanism. Private, ec- you know, private enterprise, the private economy, entrepreneurship—that's what creates wealth. They are the net. I mean, they're the net creators and contributors. Government is a is a is a net consumer. They consume. They don't do any. I mean, yes, they may build a capital budget and it may have a few jobs it's created, but it is the private economy that creates jobs for the long term. And creates real wealth And unfortunately we seem to have a lot of people in government Who seem to think that it's their job to create Jobs in the economy But none of those jobs are really long term Unless we want to create that psych, you know, that Sucking loop The self-licking ice cream cone Of government wages being sucked out of the economy And given back to the government kind of thing
3: Yeah, I mean You look down in Homer And we have such a booming boat building industry here It's just amazing The, the marine trade's um, and it's all local business owners, local designers, um young people that grew up here, welders fabricators, um fiberglass people, and and they, you know, they do amazing work. And that's self-made. you know, all that is um, is um, essentially a function of local ingenuity and hard work. And um, I look at some of the um, members of the community here and what they've built with, um, with their ingenuity, it's just blows my mind. You know, the um, some of the young people that are involved in the fishing industry now. Um, and and that's, there's, you know, government obviously has a role in maintaining our ports. Um, the boatyard out on Kachemak Drive had a, um, you know, bank, a loan from the Alaska Industrial Development and Export Authority. And so there's a function there for, um, you know, for those kind of quasi-government entities to to assist with uh, right. infrastructure
2: right um I, yeah like yeah. my
3: district i think is really um a a standard bearer for what what private industry can do
2: Yeah, well, and I think, again, that's what drives the economy. We're seeing what the effect of this dividend is going to be uh, in the state. I mean, it's a huge boon for the private economy, and we've seen that money be sucked out over the last six years by the government, and I think that's part of the problem. You hear the ding, though. That means we're jumping back into it. So we're going to try and summate here and wrap things up and give you the final bite at the apple. The Michael Luke Show continues. Louis Flora is our guest. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thicket radio. Like and share. Let's go. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. Louis Flora is our guest. Uh, wanted to, I held him over because uh, we ran the clock out on the last segment, and I want to get uh, just a couple more quick questions in before we uh, before we let him go. Um, you know, again, size and scope. If you've listened, you you mentioned you've been listening to the program and hearing some of the things we've been talking about. One of the things we talked about, of course, is the growth of government. And as I said earlier on, you know that first. Revenue check that the state got was over 900, almost a billion dollars. Uh, that was back in the 1970, 1969, 1970. Uh, at the time, the state budget was to 154 million dollars. That was the whole state budget. And so, if we extrapolated that growth out for inflation and for population growth and everything else, we should be spending somewhere in the $2.5 billion range. And instead, we're spending six uh five, four, five, six billion dollars over the last three or four years. And it always seems to be ever increasing. And we always hear, well, we just couldn't possibly cut. You mentioned the governor making kind of amorphous cuts and saying, well, we need to cut this much out of this department. You guys decide. And you're saying the governor should be more uh focused, pinpointed, I guess. We saw that in 2018, and immediately he got, you know, hammered by the legislature and everybody else about, you know, trying to make these cuts, and it ended up being no cuts in the end. Um, And so the question is, how do we how do we pull it back to where it's a more reasonable spend? I mean we're spending $15,000 for every man, woman, and child in the state on state government. $15,000. And as I've often advocated, if we got the resource – and we're not taxed because it's a stealth tax. We're not being taxed because we don't have like an overt tax, but because we're the owner, resource owners – that money flows straight into the state coffers. We never see it. We don't understand the cost of government. If instead every one of us got a check for fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars every year, followed up by a tax bill of fifteen thousand dollars a week later, there would be pitchforks and torches all the way lined up to walk across the water to Juno, right? Because they'd be like, wait a second, what's going on? So how do we how do we how do we fix that? How do we how do we get that those kind of reductions? to a more reasonable level where we're not in deficit, structural deficit, how do we get there?
3: I would like to see more focus on, um, healthcare costs. I mean, as one main driver of, um, government spending for, um, across the board, I think that, you know, having, having the some of extremely, extremely high healthcare costs in Alaska, um, is one, um, draw on our um, government spending and on our economy in general um, i think we get to a a more you know a, a sustainable government level by um analyzing what you know what delivery what um citizens want out of their government and um focusing on those and like you said we we know education is a big one we know public safety is a big one Um, road infrastructure is a big one. And so we have, um, we have a, a kind of a set of building blocks that we start with. And then, um, we look at everything else and how it interties um, all the other departments. And I mean, are we, I'm a commercial fisherman in Bristol Bay and I really rely on fish and game management. So, um, that's, you know, something that I wouldn't want to see go away. Um, are there reductions there? I'm sure. I mean, is there... Uh, technological advances that we can use to assist the uh, management that might uh, decrease some of the need for um, assistant biologists or, um, or other staff, perhaps, you know, but each department has its constituency, I guess, and and that's <laughs> therein right. is the right. problem.
2: Well, it's always never in my backyard. I'm all for cuts, but don't cut that program because that's in my backyard and that's in my wheelhouse and that affects me. So don't cut that one, but cut everything else. That's I think that's the problem we're running up against. Um, look, I want to uh, I want to wrap things up here, uh, Louis Flora, last couple minutes here, uh, and give you the uh, the you know the shot at uh, you know your elevator pitch. Why should people vote for you versus your opponent? You know what what makes you different. What, you know, and then of course, how do people find you? Are you doing events or whatever? So I'll give you the floor here for your elevator pitch. Final summation. Why should they vote for you? And where do they find out about you?
3: My website is www.floraforhouse.com. www.floraforhouse.com. Why they should vote for me is I'm a lifelong Alaskan, lifelong commercial fisherman. I grew up here i know the district um i know the process i have probably the most experience of anyone in this race in the legislature um and i come from an era when when we saw things happen and then we worked to get things for the district for instance we brought a a natural gas line um to homer which wasn't currently served um we repealed the um there was a nuisance tax on our um sand and gravel uh, operators and we repealed that Um, we provided the impetus for the regulatory commission to create the um, net energy metering program which um, has been very popular across the state in allowing homeowners to reduce their energy costs by um, putting up solar panels Um, we created a jay hammond day um, to celebrate his accomplishments i I'm running because I want to see um, this district thrive, and I want to get our bite at the apple, um, and I want to be at the table, and so that's really why, why I'm running, and um, we are having a event this Friday at the um, Quiana Bar, which is uh, milepost 122.5, Sterling Highway in Clam Gulch, 5 to 7 p.m., indoor-outdoor event. Here's the flyer. Um, barbecue salmon, and it's a great old bar. It's a re- it's a historic roadhouse from the 1950s, um, and we'll be we'll be there, and I'd be more than happy to um, to. Meet and greet everyone and grill the candidate and stump the chump.
2: (laughs) Is it stump the candidate and grill the chump or is it? I can't remember what it is. All right. Louis Flora, thank you so much for coming on board and joining us today. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, we wish you luck. And uh, we will uh, maybe talk to you again here before we hit the election day. Thank you for coming on board and uh, being part of it today. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, folks. uh, We're coming down to the whoops. We're coming down to the uh, end here and getting ready to uh, wrap things up uh, for the show today. Coming up tomorrow, of course, it is Firearms Friday. Our chance to talk about Second Amendment issues and more here in the state of Alaska. And uh, we will continue those discussions, uh, of course, tomorrow. I don't have any guests lined up, uh, but. We'll see. I mean, it could just be you and me. It could be gun Q and A all day, which is just fine with me. I enjoy answering questions and talking about stuff like that, and more. Um, and then of course next week on the program, again a full slate of candidates coming up here uh, in the near future. Uh, and next week we're going to have um, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, Sharon Jackson. Uh, and we may have Mike Insalaco on Monday, uh, Cliff Grow, Jessica Wright, Rosalind Casey, Stephen Wright, the full, full slew. Next week as well So make sure that you stay tuned uh, Make sure you stay tuned for that uh, next week Don't forget you can always come out and join us on Facebook If you'd like to participate in the program in a different way Go to facebook.com slash Show, And uh, you can uh, watch the videos You can participate in the chat room and everything else And most importantly Well, I mean, from my point of view, I guess Is don't forget that you can become a member of the Common Sense Corps which is our Cool Kids Club? It's the fan club that helps support the show for as little as the cost of a cup of coffee a month. You can financially support the show, and that's how we're able to do things like we bought this software that allows us to have video interviews with the candidates, and uh, new hardware, computers, streaming, trying to make the things better, trying to make the show better, and bring it into the 21st century. That's what we're trying. I know that the theme song says that we're a low buck radio show. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that, that's how it is. But you know, we're we're it's it's, it's with your help that we're able to do all these great things uh, on the program. So if you want to become a member of the Common Sense Corps, just go to michaeldukeshow.com and click on Join the Corps. Or you can go straight to patreon.com slash Show. All right. Well, that's it for today. Um, some interesting conversations. I um, I mean, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about it. And there's some other issues that I didn't get to unfortunately sometimes even 45 minutes is not enough to get to all the conversations you want with each and every candidate so maybe we'll have him back on and talk about it all right folks we're out of time for today thank you for coming on board the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio we will see you tomorrow be kind love one another live well all right folks um thanks for participating i I wanted to get to some more issues with louie uh but it's just it again it's so hard sometimes when you're trying to get down into the nitty gritty of some of these things he has a issue on his website talking about safe communities and um i really wanted to talk about this one but i just i couldn't get to it uh safe this is what he says safe communities there is no doubt that we have unacceptable rates of sexual assault, gun violence, alcohol, drug abuse, and property crimes in Alaska. We want to live in communities where we're not worried about our things getting stolen and physically assaulted. The The, the use of the word gun violence in this is uh, concerning. I guess not concerning, but it, it raises questions. I agree that we have unacceptable rates of sexual assaults and uh, property crime in Alaska. I don't know so much about the gun violence part of it. Um, I wish I could have. Wish I could have you know, dove down into that a little bit more But maybe maybe next time we have him on Maybe we'll start off with that one Before we get into more of the details His website's got a lot of different uh, components on it Although every time I clicked on something It completely killed my internet So I don't know what's going on there I decided not to click any further into that But there's a lot of big issues on there You can go check it out If you uh, are uh, curious about it uh, I'm posting the link up in the chat room right now And uh, um And we'll uh, we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what we can do next time we run back on this. okay, Uh, folks, we're out of time for today. I got to go, man. I got to go. I got other things to do a whole day ahead of me. Uh, Somebody asked, did you get Ron Gillum for House to come on with Ruffridge? I have not yet. I'm working on a couple different debates that uh, I'm talking to the candidates about. The Ruffridge and Gillum debate would be one. The Shower and uh, Massey debate would be another. We're working on a few of these. We'll see what we can come up with. We'll see if we can get everybody to participate. Um, but I really, I'm sorry, I've got an appointment. i got to get out of here. So we will talk with you again tomorrow. Thanks for coming on the show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, my friends.